continue this message series where we're looking at uh, how, how to fight to claim the life that God's promised, the way it works in the here and now, nowadays. The, this, it's another message to explain, but the Bible has very good ex- explanation as to why this is. But the way it is now, we have to fight to claim the life that God's promised us. And in the fight, he uses the fight to really grow us and to help us understand more of who he is and to see his power and to, to learn you know, how everything comes together. But we have to fight. And we're talking about how to fight the lies, how, how to really deal with the thoughts that tend to attack us. And Alex launched it last week, and I'm going to continue this week. And we're going to look at the first thought that attacks, the first lie that we tend to have to deal with. And the way we're going to do this is uh, we're going to look back at the battles in the history of Israel that are in the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament. And we're, we're going to try to learn from them. It's going to be fun. These, these are good stories. I think you'll be able to identify with the, the, the men and women in the stories. I know I can. And we have the advantage of hindsight. You know, hindsight's 2020. My, I, I wear glasses. I don't have 2020 anymore. <laughs> Take my glasses off. Everything's fuzzy. But hindsight, now that's 2020, they say. And so we have the ability to look back at the history of Israel and uh, what the Bible does is it peels back the curtain and allows us to see how God's working things out in the history of that nation and in the history of the world. So we're going to do that. We can see how they battled to claim the promised land and face some impossible situations. The, the odds weren't in their favor necessarily. And we'll get encouraged in our battle today because that's actually God's intent. Romans 15 says that through endurance, which it takes now, we have to fight. We have to endure in the battle. Through endurance, endurance and encouragement of the Scriptures, you, you have hope. Hope comes from this. So as we get into the battles, we're, we're going to find out that there's a tremendous amount of hope for our circumstances, our situation today, and a lot of guidance and help in them. Um, like I said, we're continuing with the message series that began last week. And we've been talking about how when you lose the battle in your mind, when you start losing the battle in your head, that shows up in your words and deeds. You start losing the battle in the way that you're speaking to others, in the way that you're acting toward others, in your relationships, at work, all across the board. You start losing that. Sort of like you turn on the faucet, and we, we don't think about this because we have clean water, but... The quality of the water that comes out of the faucet depends on the reservoir that it's coming from. You turn it on, good, good quality water in the reservoir, out comes drinking water. Turn it on, bad quality, you know, problems in the reservoir, out comes water that could really hurt, could damage you. So that, that's actually what happens with our words and deeds, our, our words and actions. We, they flow out of our heart and our mind. Our heart and scripture is really our deepest part of ourselves where we decide what we're going to do with life. So turn on the faucet and outflow the words and deeds that reflect what's going on in our mind. So that battle that's going on in our mind is critical. We've got to learn to win it. Last week we identified five common lies 
These are five thoughts that we battle against. And we'll see these thoughts in the, uh, the leaders of Israel as we go through the stories. But they're, it's too hard. I'm too tired. It's not what I want. It's not fair. And I'm the only one. Those are the thoughts. Today, we're zeroing in on it's too hard. And what happens with me is when I run into challenges that are blocking my progress, this thought, it's too hard, attacks. Could you scroll up a little bit? Um, thanks. Um, it's, it's a lie that creates a good deal of resistance to getting things done that I really need to get done, to doing right, to, to just getting up in the morning and doing what I need to do. Yeah, it's, just, it's just too hard to work through this. It creates this resistance of moving forward to do what's right. And it's a lie because I've said this a bunch in my mind. I mean, it's come to tell you, this is just too hard, but I've made it through every time. I'm still here. And God has given me what I need to accomplish what he wants. And so whenever we're in the middle of a difficult battle, this thought comes to mind. And it tends to lead us to start asking the wrong questions. And when we're facing a difficulty, our minds often run to the wrong questions. Um, the wrong questions tend to start with why. You, know, you, get, you get into a difficult circumstance and you start asking why. Why, why is this happening to me? You kind of develop a victim mentality. Why do I always have to do this myself? Why, why, do, why, do they always, why are they so immature? Why can't they be a grown-up? You know, what, what is their problem? What's going on here? Or who? Who did this? You know, something happens and it's like you look for someone to blame. Uh, who dropped the ball on this project? Who's, who's, whose fault is this? What's going on here? Um, or when, 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 when are they going to get their act together? Just when are they going to, what happens is you start asking the wrong questions and it only delays you getting to the solution. You're, you're wallowing in the problem in the circumstance, you know, questions like, when is my husband or my wife, when are they going to start listening to me? When they, when they finally start changing, then I can change. When, when, when they finally do their part, then I'm going to be able to do my part. I'm going to be free to do that. So we start asking the wrong questions. And for me personally, when I, when I face difficulty, when a circumstance sort of attacks me and I start struggling in my mind, my mind starts clawing like a bear looking for someone to blame. I, I just, it, it, it just feels so much better if it's not my responsibility or if, it's their fault, and then I can just sort of wallow in the problem. Why did they ask me to do this? Why? You know, I'm overwhelmed with my schedule. Why? Why did I say yes? Why is this going on? You know, who, who, who else has to be this busy? Who, who else? I don't know anybody else that's got a weekend like this one where it's just stacked up one thing after the other. When will they get their act together? Boy, if they get it together, that's going to be good. These questions, what they do is they feed the lies. And they cause me to wallow, and they cause you to wallow in your circumstances, and really waste time. On the other hand, the right questions start with, tend to start with how and what, 
and they help me move. They help me get moving in the right direction. So what can I do about this? Okay, this happened. I don't, it doesn't really matter as much why or who, but it happened. And how can I deal with this in the most productive way? How, how can I move forward on this? How can I meet the challenge here with this project? Or how can I help my kids change their habits? You know, it doesn't look like they're interested in changing. <laughs> but how, how, can I, how can I do that? How can I adapt my approach to factor in what everybody else is doing rather than just blame them and attack them? What, what is one thing that I can change in the way that I talk to my spouse this week rather than waiting for them to change the way they talk to me. Our questions greatly impact our ability to make progress. Asking the wrong questions feeds the lies that defeat us. Whenever trouble comes up, if we lock into the wrong questions, the lies defeat us and they block our progress. We're going to see how this works in a little bit in the life of one of the the guys in, in a battle from the Old Testament, the, the Bible. Um, instead, we can learn to ask God as the questions come up. Why? Who? Who can I blame? Why is this going on? We can learn to ask God, what can I do about this? God, what, is, what do you want me to do in this circumstance? How can I accomplish your purpose in this situation? You know, we have our reflexes where we start asking the same questions. We have these ingrained habits, but we can learn to shift from those to start asking God to lead us. And we're going to see how this this morning. There are some huge lessons that we can learn, big, gigantic lessons from reading the history of the battles of the Old Testament. Like one of them is God is sovereign and he reigns over the course of history to accomplish his purpose. You see this because the curtains peel back. You can see how God's work, working. It peels back the curtain to see God's involvement so we can see it. His purpose will always prevail. It's what you learn. In nations and in individual lives. He's working to accomplish his purpose. In, in our time, in our day. There's the history that we read about in the newspapers. We hear about it on the news, on the radio. We see it on TV. There's all the history that's going on. But there's the purpose of God behind that history that's being worked out in our day. The advantage the Bible gives us is we get to look back. We're living it right now. We get concerned about our history and what's going on. But in the Bible, we can look back and see how God worked in the history of Israel and learn what we can expect today and how to better cooperate with him. So that's what we're going to do. One major lesson that we see looking back is this. Our relationship with God and our desire to please him is the most important consideration in every circumstance. Relationship with God is number one because he is the number one factor in our success or failure in all of our endeavors. So our, our relationship with God, how much we're paying attention to him, how much we're setting ourselves to please him, how much we're actually pleasing him with our words and deeds is the number one factor. And so what we're going to do is we're going to uncover some lessons from uh, Judges 6 and 7. 
And if you haven't read the whole story, we're going to only be able to hit the highlights today. If you haven't read the whole story, it's the story of Gideon, who was a judge. Um, he, he was a judge over Israel before they installed their first king. They were a nation. But God preferred, actually, that they didn't have kings. So what, what he'd do, if something needed to be done, if the nation was in trouble or in distress, then God would raise up a leader. They called them judges. And through the judge, through the leader, he would accomplish what he needed to accomplish on behalf of the nation of Israel. This, this is his pattern. He raises up leaders to lead the people to accomplish his purpose. Um, but anyway, he, he acted as their king. That's what he wanted all along. But he led through these judges. When we meet Gideon, we meet him in Judges 6. Uh, as I said, you can read it sometime yourself. It's really good. Uh, it may be something you want to do this week just as follow up on what I'm talking about. But when we meet Gideon, the Israelites are under siege by the Midianites, by a, a nation called Midian. And the passage at the very beginning of Judges 6 says it this way. It says, the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. Now, you see, this is God working in history. This is God who did this. He gave them, he gave the nation of Israel uh, into the hand of Midian. And they were under siege. They had rebelled against God. Uh, They had not pleased him. They had forsaken him. And the oppression of Midian was the consequence from that. And it was so bad. The, the oppression from Midian was so bad that every time the Israelites would plant their crop, the Midianites would roll through and just tear it all apart and just rout them, taking plunder and just burying them. It says that they would swarm like locusts in on them and mess up their crops and take all the good stuff. And then go again. So Israel, at this point in history, when we meet Gideon, they were so afraid, it says that they made dens for themselves in the mountains and caves in the strongholds. So they're hiding because they're, 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 they're oppressed and they're so afraid of this nation that has them under siege that they're just sort of hiding and cowering and they're not quite sure what's going on. So... This goes on for seven years, hiding in the caves, dens in the mountains. Seven years. Finally, after seven years, Israel cries out to God. Sometimes it takes a while, doesn't it, for us to turn to God? But seven years, they find, they, oh yeah, God is our God who rules. So let's ask him for help. So they cry out to God. And God sends a messenger to Gideon. And we get in on the conversation here in Judges 6:12. It says, An angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, speaking of Gideon, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Now, I find this fascinating that God addresses him as the mighty man of valor. Make a mental note of that, of the way, of the way that God addresses Gideon and Compare that with his actions and words that follow. Look at verse 13. It says, Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Here's a why question. Where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. God had done some amazing things. 
Um, but Gideon, the mighty man of valor, he's whining. <laughs> God comes to him, speaks him through an angel, direct messenger. And you could bring out the violins and play a sad song behind his words. You know, ah, this is tough. You know, why and who? God, it seems like you're to blame. Why'd you let this happen? Um, and then it goes on. The conversation goes on. The Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. Here he is again, you know, mighty man of valor. Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. So God picks Gideon to lead the Israelites out of this oppression. Another, another comment. Go in this might of yours. Interesting, given Gideon's reaction. He says, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, which is a tribe in Israel, and I am the least in my father's house. How in the world am I going to do this? How am I going to pull this off? Now, I can identify with Gideon. I, I, I really can. He responds the way I would to this assignment. You know, I mean, people of Israel, they're hiding in dens and caves and they're afraid of these people. And, and he basically says, are you kidding me? I mean, do, do you think that I can't do that? That is that is way too hard. That is just there is no way that's going to happen. I, I just don't have what it takes. And I'm not quite sure how this is going to come together here. Gideon is sure that God has the wrong guy. OK, that 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 assignment is way beyond my ability. God, you've, you've got to have what I think you missed it here. I think you've got the wrong guy. And by the way. God keeps talking to him as a mighty man of valor. And here's a lesson from that. Here, here's what we learn. The way God is, he sees our potential and wants us to, wants to help us grow into it. This is the way God is. He sees our potential and he wants to help us grow into that potential. He doesn't look at you and I as we see ourselves. He, he sees us for who he made us to be. And he wants to help us with this. And another note about God here and the way he relates to us. He keeps putting us in circumstances that we can't handle on our own. So we have to trust him. And that's what's happening with the nation of Israel. They made some wrong choices, very poor choices. And they're in a situation where they're not going to be able to get out of this on their own. They're going to need help. And that's what God does. He keeps putting us in circumstances that we can't handle, so we have to trust him. And this is how our faith grows. And this is how we grow. And so God's response to, to Gideon in this, in this conversation is the same response that he gives every time someone faces a challenge. Every time in Scripture is the same thing. Many of the men... And women who led had this same sense of, oh, that's too hard. I think you got the wrong guy. And every time God would say the same thing back. It's the same way he responds to you and I as we face the challenges we're dealing with today. If, if we're struggling in our family life, we're struggling at work, in our friendships, in ministry, it's the same response. 
And here it is. The Lord said to him, but I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. I'm going to be there with you. I I am going to walk through this experience with you. And that's what God says. That's how he is. After the angel leaves Gideon, he has a surreal moment when he realizes did that just happen? <laughs> did, did I just hear from God that I'm going to lead the people to overthrow the Midianites? I, he's in a spin. He's kind of in a spin. And he, he realizes, I think that was just a defining moment. That sort of set uh, my course for the next few months and years. And he's sort of trying to deal with this. Um, in, in Gideon's case, he's, he's asking, did I, did I just have a conversation with God of the universe? Did, did that just go on? I mean, he, he can hardly believe that he just heard what he heard. And so he asked God for confirmation. Now, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't you do that? You're like, if you hear something from God, you get in a conversation and it seems like it's God. And you want, you, I, personally, I want to make sure that was God. And so that's what Gideon does. He asked God to give him a sign that it really was God who was speaking to him. And so the first thing God tells him to do is he tells him to prepare a sacrifice. So he, he, he gets out the offering. He sets out some meat and some unleavened bread. And whoosh, fire comes from heaven and consumes the offering. <laughs> I mean, put yourself in Gideon's place. That's pretty good confirmation, isn't it? You're thinking, oh, that was God. I mean, that's amazing what just happened there. I mean, this this really is him. I've been talking to. And God speaks again because at this point, Gideon realizes and starts shaking in fear. This is God. And so God speaks again and he calms him down. and he, He gives him peace. God is using all of this, the bad circumstances of Israel, the, the offering and the fire. He's, built, he's using it to build Gideon's faith and get him ready for the battle. And that, that's what God does. He's using the bad circumstances in your life to grow your faith. The, the conflicts and relationships that are just real struggles and you're not quite sure how this is going to turn out. He, if, if you turn to him, he'll walk through you with it, walk with you through it, and he'll use it for your good. He'll use it to build your faith, challenging projects at work or in school, parenting questions where you're just not quite sure which way to go. These are opportunities to trust God and grow in your faith, and he'll use them to, to build you up. The Lord then gives Gideon another assignment, a little tougher assignment this time. He tells Gideon... To go and uh, what, what happened, one of the things that displeased God so much with Israel is they started building altars to other gods. And so God tells Gideon to go and tear down the altar that his dad had built to Baal. And his, his father had built this altar to another god. And so God instructs Gideon to go tear it down. And he wants him to tear that altar down and then in that very place offer another sacrifice to God. So I actually can identify with this because he was he was afraid. Gideon does this at night. 
<laughs> I'm like, hey, that makes perfect sense to me. God never said I had to do it at noon. So I'm doing it at night. I'm going to sneak this one by as many people as possible. And so he goes at night. He tears down the altar. He offers a sacrifice to God. And a posse of uh, men from the city come to attack him because he's done this. He's defiled the altar that they raised to their God. In that moment, his dad steps up and defends him, and he's saved. Okay, experience number two, where God is building his faith. In this way, God continues to build his faith and prepare him. That's what God's doing with all the stuff going on in your life. He's getting you ready. He's preparing you to continue to grow in your faith and handle what's going on in your life. Now, the moment arrives that Gideon is being prepared for because what happens is the Midianites along with the Amalekites come together and they encamp in the Valley of Jezreel to prepare to destroy Israel. They're just going to wipe them off the face of the earth. These enemies are battling. And remember, these are the ones who uh, have swarms like locusts. These are, this is a bunch of people. Thousands and thousands and thousands of uh, people in this army with chariots and weapons. They're, they're a standing army. <clears throat> and so this happens, and this is what God does next. It says, Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, and he sounded the trumpet, and the Abizrites were called out to follow him. So, he sounds a trumpet, and God rallies the troop behind him. Behind him. He, first of all, gives him his spirit. And th- I've experienced this over and over again. If I, I get up in the morning, and I'm thinking about my day, I've got a knot in my stomach, and I'm not quite sure how it's going to go. I've got some maybe difficult things to think through and work through or conversations to have. And when I pray, when I rely on God, he, he strengthens me in my spirit. And he gives his spirit. And then he rallies me to do this. And this is what he does here. He gives Gideon his spirit and he rallies the truth behind him. And the next thing, Gideon, and I like this too, he goes and he checks two more times with God in just sort of a simple way. God, are are you sure? (laughs) I mean, are are you sure you want me to lead the troops against these swarms? And God confirms it. I would double check as well if, if I were Gideon. And what happens next reveals another aspect of the way God works in our lives. He puts Gideon in a spot where there's no way that he can win the battle in his own strength. And we keep ending up in spots like this. There's no way we can pull this off on our own. What happens is at the beginning of the, con- uh, at the, beginning of the process, at the beginning of the battle... Uh, as they're getting prepared to fight the swarms, Gideon has 32,000 fighting men. And then God says, you know, Gideon, just announce to everybody, if you're afraid, if you're trembling, feel free to go home. 22,000 guys leave, down to 10,000. Okay, next, God says, I want you to take the 10,000 and... Have them go over to the river or the pond or there was some water nearby. Have them take a drink out of the water. And the ones who cup their, their hands and take a drink like this, let them go. The ones who lap like dogs, you keep them. 300 guys lap like dogs. And he keeps them. 
He had 32,000 to begin with. Ends up with 300 guys to go to battle against the swarms. This is, this is how God is. He keeps, he keeps putting us in situations where we have to trust Him. We have to rely on Him. 300 men. This is Gideon's fighting force. 300 against the swarms. And what God does is, He strengthens Gideon in spite of his fears. And with God's help, Gideon wins. He wins the victory. We need to know this about God. He will keep putting us in circumstances that seem too hard to accomplish in our own strength. So we will rely on him. And when you know God, when you walk with him, you, you begin to realize, I don't have to cave in to the enemy thoughts that try to derail me. I, I don't have to do that. Because in spite of what you feel, God knows what you can do, and he wants to help you do it. See, the thoughts come. The circumstances hit. The obstacles show up. And we, we start shaking, we start getting fearful. That's just human, human beings. That's the way we are. We struggle. But in spite of that, in spite of all the emotions going on, God looks beyond that and He knows what you and I can do and He wants to help us do it. If we set our hearts on doing what's right, if we set our hearts on accomplishing His purpose in any circumstance, in any arena of our life, He wants to help us do that. What we need to do at that moment is shift our focus to factor in God's power. We shift to his power. God's power is all we need to fight against the discouragement and to fulfill his purposes that he's given us. This takes more than just realizing God has power. We need to go to him and ask him for it. Just like the Israelites, seven years they didn't ask. They finally asked God, God stepped in and, and did something. He, he accomplished his purpose. I was reminded, I've been listening to a biography of D.L. Moody, who was a man in the 1800s who really made a, a big difference in, for, in, in the country here and then just in the lives of many, many people. At one point, he was working in the Civil War and ministering to the troops, and he was on a battlefield, and he was, <clears throat> he was praying with the truce because they ran out of food. It was all the wounded, the people who'd been wounded and hurt, and they were, they were there. The other troops had marched on. They had all the provisions. They ran out of food. And he and all the other folks he was ministering with and all of the, the wounded began to pray and said a lot of the people that were with Moody were doubting whether or not this would really make a difference. And so they prayed at sort of at dusk. They started praying when it was getting dark. And, you know, Moody's trusting God. Other people are praying, not thinking anything's going to happen. And they said that they prayed. They prayed long into the night. In the morning, as, as dawn starts to, to, to rise, they see a, a wagon coming in the distance. And they're thinking, that's interesting. Here comes a wagon. And the wagon that shows up is packed with bread. 
And what happened is, as they were praying, this farmer, he, he couldn't sleep. He got awakened, and he, he, couldn't, he couldn't sleep. And so he just kept thinking, and, and the Lord put it in his mind to put together all the bread that he could and pack his cart and drive to where the troops were. He knew they were fighting there. And um, he woke his wife up. She started baking bread. You know, she's baking all the bread she could bake. He starts getting around to the, the neighbors and saying, hey, can you give me all the bread you got? He packs the cart and goes to the battlefront and provides in response to their prayer. We, we can tap into the power of God to do what we have to do every day. He, he wants to help. He knows what you and I can do, and he wants to help us do it. He wants to give us all the help and power that we need to accomplish his purpose in this world. We can place our hope in him because God's power provides victory in the battle. As we, first of all, tell ourselves the truth. That's what we're talking about in this series. When life's hard, circumstances get beyond what we think we can handle. It's too hard. I just have to give up. Just let me lay on the couch or wallow on the floor and, oh, I just can't do this. I know I can't do this. Check out this verse in Jeremiah 32:17. Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power. And, and by your outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. That's the truth. Nothing is too hard for the living God. I, I don't know about you, but this gives me a lot of hope. To realize God wants to help me. He's given me assignments. He's, he's asked me to do things. I have a role in my family to play. I have a role at work. I have a role in ministry. I have friends, and I play a role in their lives. Whatever he wants me to do, he's going to help me do it. <clears throat> and he has the power to help. There's a lot of hope in that. Nothing is too hard for him. I, I love this story. We have some curriculum that we use uh, with the kids, and um, we go through these thoughts. It's too hard being one of them. And uh, when the, the curriculum was written at a church in Fort Worth that we're related to, and... Um, when it first came out, when they, the, the boys just first started working through uh, this thought and how to battle the enemy thoughts, uh, there was a mom and her little six or seven year old boy. They were at the grocery store and she locked her keys in the car and she started fretting, getting upset because, you know, she wasn't quite sure how, you know, how she's going to handle this. They're going to have to walk home and. They're going to have to do this. At that moment, the little boy said, Ah, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. And the mom said, I thought, well, that's true. <laughs> that's exactly right. And he, he had learned to respond to the struggle that we all have with life when it seems overwhelming with the truth. Of God's word. And we're, we're memorizing uh, verses, or I'm suggesting, as we walk through this series, I'm suggesting that you memorize some key verses that relate to the message. This is the one for this week. It's so important to soak up the Bible and get it into your heart and mind so that as you deal with circumstances and as you relate to what's going on out here, that you have the truth that you can fight with. 
it, it the scripture gives us the truth that helps us when we're on the verge of giving up, when we think it's too hard. Memorizing scripture is a key way to fighting the battle. It's it's an offensive weapon. It's this struggle that we have in our thoughts is like hand to hand combat. And the truth, the word of God can be like sword thrusts to fight and to help our mind uh, focus on God's power, his truth, who he is and how he wants to help us. So I, I really do want to encourage you to memorize the verses that we're suggesting each week. They'll, they'll be a real help and they'll help you battle these these things. So anyway, we must remember the truth. We have to call it to mind and bring it to mind. And then we gain the victory as we set our minds to fulfill God's purpose. Just like Gideon, we have to decide. He, he checked and double checked. He wanted confirmation. God, is this you? But when, when it was time to fight, he set his mind to fulfill God's purpose. And what we need to do is we need to have that same resolve. It, we, we have a choice in this. We have to choose to resolve to do what God's called us to do. And we need to tell him, God, I, I am going to complete the assignment you've given me or die trying. I am, I'm going to do what you've assigned me to do or I'm going to die trying. And would you please give me what I need? Would you give me the help? I'm not going to give up. I'm just going to keep fighting. Keep plugging away. And once we've resolved this before God, in his strength, we must take action. What, what are you facing right now that seems too hard? We all, that's how life is. It's a fight. It's a fight to claim God's promises. What is it you're facing? Maybe you're here this morning. You have a relationship um, that you've, you've just wanted to bail out on, but you shouldn't. It's right for you to be faithful to this friend, or it's right for you to be faithful to this family member. Relating's just become too hard. Maybe that's what you're struggling with. Or uh, maybe you're trying to get traction in your relationship with God, in your walk with the Lord, Jesus. But getting into the Bible, it just, it just, praying, it's just a, it's too difficult. It's tough. Or maybe you have no idea how to get on track with honoring God in your finances how to work in a way that honors. Maybe you're struggling with these things. All the areas of life could be mounting pressure on you, and God wants to use this to grow your faith and to grow you. I want to encourage you to do what you need to do to honor God, to take the steps that he's laying before you. We, when we do God's will, in spite of our fears, our discouragement, our struggles, our concerns, blessing comes. God gives us the power to do it. He wants to bless us as we set out to do what he's called us to do. I'd like to wrap up the message this morning. I'd ask the band to come on up. Um, but if you would, think through your next steps. Um, please pull out your connection card again that J.R. mentioned earlier. And uh, if you would, look on the back of that. You may want to complete some more information that you haven't had an opportunity to or these next steps that I'm suggesting uh, when the offering comes by, uh, you can drop the card in the offering basket. That'd be great. But here are my suggestions on next steps. First one, memorize Jeremiah 32:17. All Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. It's a great passage to memorize and remember. 
Second one, take action to do what God wants you to do. As I've been talking, you know, there's something maybe that came to mind that you need to do, a step you need to take. Not quite sure you can pull it off. Seems very difficult, very hard. Take that step. Resolve to do what's right before God in that circumstance. And then finally, another step would be to talk with someone about Scripture memory, either one-on-one or in a small group. Excuse me. Um, This is a very important part of learning to fight the lies, is get soaking in the truth. And so uh, if you haven't memorized Scripture or you need some encouragement in memorizing Scripture, you'd like some tips on how to do that, let us know that you'd really want to talk to somebody about best ways to do that. And that'd be great. We'll get somebody in touch with you. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the, the history that you've left for us so that we can learn how you work. <coughs> and I pray, God, that you'd help us to take the steps you've laid on our hearts today. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.